Hey friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. It's me, it's Rachel Bailey, your coach. And I am so excited to be here today. I know I say that every week, actually. I'm finding a theme, but I really am excited to be here today. Um, And I am planning on being more consistent with you and producing more episodes this year. So there you go. I just said it out loud for you to hold me accountable to that. (laughs) My goal is to now start producing again two to three episodes a month. I'm going to try to record every week, actually. But when it comes to goal setting... My theory is that you actually set your goal lower than what you uh, decide in your head. Now, this is contrary, actually, and this is a tangent, by the way, this is not what this episode is about, but let's just continue on this tangent because I think it's important. Um, I believe that it's important that when you declare a goal, that you make it smaller than what you think the goal should be in your head. Now, this is contrary to what a lot of other goal setting teachers teach when they say set big, hairy, scary goals and then fail forward. Well, the problem with failing forward, like let's say you set a goal that you're going to work out seven days a week, right? And then if you fail, you still work out five days a week. So the logic behind this teaching of goals, like set big, hairy, scary goals, and then fail forward. So if you plan to work out seven days a week, you'll still get five in. That only works for a certain type of personality. And that type of personality is really relaxed when it comes to failure. I would say that most people are not relaxed when it comes to their personal failure. (laughs) That's just something I've observed As a life coach, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, I'm just saying that in my experience of people, when they set smaller goals and say to themselves, I'm going to work out four days a week, and then they actually are committed to that, working out four days a week, they actually feel more on track with their goals and they feel more in integrity with the goals that they've set, which allows them momentum to continue to go to into the next week feeling on track. Now they actually worked out less than the person who said they were going to work out seven days a week and then only worked out five days a week. But even though they worked out less, they feel more congruent. They feel more in alignment and they feel more in integrity with their own word. So that's why, even though in my head, I'm thinking to myself, I want to record every week. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to declare that to you as my overall goal. Instead, I'm going to say two to three every month. And what does that allow me? It allows me grace to have an off week. So (laughs) just a little food for thought to start this episode off because it's a new year, because a lot of you have set goals. If you have failed on those goals, what you might want to do is go back and make those goals smaller, more in alignment and something that you absolutely can commit to doing 100%. Make those goals smaller and you'll be more in alignment. The actual episode that I want to bring you today is called, Oops, I Overreacted. And I wanted to bring you this episode Because everybody has thought that to themselves. I think, actually, I'm going to take that back. I don't know that everybody has thought that to themselves. I'm sure there are some people that don't acknowledge that they've overreacted. But if you ever have overreacted and noticed it, congratulations, because you are self-aware of the fact that you have a tendency to overreact about things. Guess what? So does everybody. It's just that some people aren't as quick to 
see that in themselves. They're not as self-aware when they overreact. Other people are. They're like, whoa, that was an overreaction. But if you overreact and you notice it in yourself, I want you to just give yourself a round of applause because it means that you are self-aware. Now, as a life coach, I actually don't like this term overreacted. And the reason, because if I were sitting in session with somebody who was explaining an overreaction to me, I would never, ever, ever use those words to describe someone's behavior. Like, hey, you think you overreacted? That's actually not what I would do. I would do the opposite. And I would help that person understand how based on their life experiences and their thoughts and emotions at the time, that their behavior actually makes perfect sense. That's actually my role as a life coach is to help you understand how your past experiences and your thoughts and emotions at the time lead to specific behaviors. So as a life coach, I would never use the word overreacted, but I have to make it the title of this episode so people can understand what this episode is gonna be about. And it's a little bit catchy, right? Like, oops, I overreacted. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that when we self-judge our own behavior. However, what I'm here to help you deconstruct is how that happens, number one, and then number two, what you can do about it moving forward, because that's really what you're here for. You're here for the life tips, right? How do I change my behavior? How do I stop that overreaction from happening in the future? Um, And so I know that's what you're here for. We're going to get to that. I'm going to give you the tips. First, though, I do want to break down where reactions come from so you can be aware of them. Because I can't just give you the changing tools. I can't just say, here's the tools. If you don't understand what you would do with those tools or when you would use them or why you would need them. So be patient with me because first I want to deconstruct where our overreactions, quote unquote, come from. Now, when I say overreacted, most of the time, I think people's brain goes to understanding an overreaction as being based in anger or rooted in anger, right? That's the time when it's easiest to recognize an overreaction is when someone explodes in anger, whether it be you or somebody else. You're looking at the situation going, whoa, I'm not understanding this reaction, And so let's look at anger first. However, we can also have deep rooted sadness or fear or hurt or betrayal or guilt or shame. And I'm going to get into those as well, but let's start with anger because that is the most easiest to recognize. And believe it or not, let me just say this. Uh, Most people (laughs) have anger. So if you have anger, or you ever exploded in anger and then looked at your life and been like, where is all this anger coming from? Let me just start by saying, uh, you're normal. Most people that I sit down with have anger, whether it be repressed anger or hidden anger or unresolved anger or explosive anger. Most people have anger and there's nothing wrong with anger. Let's understand what anger is. So in this podcast, I'm going to explain the most common, um, or really all of the negative emotions and what their purpose is. So when I say anger, you might have a different word for that. You might say rage, or you might say pissed off, or you might say uh, deep frustration, right? Well, when I say anger, I'm that's an all-encompassing word for me. When we break off into other synonyms, those are great. There's nothing wrong with those synonyms, yet all of those synonyms are under the umbrella of anger. Same with sadness. You might say the word blue, or you might say the word um, feeling depressed or down. Well, when I say sadness, I'm meaning all of those things. So we'll go emotion by emotion. The purpose of anger, just so you know, when you get mad about something, there's a very specific reason and design and purpose for anger. The purpose of anger is to actually create action. So think about it this way. 
when there's an injustice and it brings about anger, anger is an emotion that calls for energy and motion. It calls for action. It calls for fighting of some kind. Now, when I say fighting, I don't necessarily mean screaming or hitting or punching, picketing, right? Fighting for your beliefs, for example, or standing up for what you believe in, in a way, fighting. So the purpose of anger is to create change. So when something makes you angry in your life, and I didn't say if, I said when. When something makes you angry in your life, there's a real purpose for this. And if you can take a step back and say, what is the purpose of my anger? Well, the purpose of your anger is to tell you that something is not okay and that something needs to change. That's the purpose of anger. So we can just take the judgment out of getting angry right now. There's no judgment about getting angry. Now, how we handle our anger and what we choose to do and how we choose to create change. Yes, we can break those into boxes of good versus bad. Uh, But right now, anger in itself is not good or bad. It's what we choose to do with it. It's how we choose to bring about change. Now, the thing about anger (laughs) is that oftentimes when we're in that fight mode, because what is the purpose of anger? Fight, create change, fight for justice. Well, if we are triggered into fight or flight, okay, which is I'm saying we can fight for justice, which is a different definition of the word. Yet when we're triggered into fight or flight response, neurologically speaking, we actually shut down our rational thinking brain. And I've explained this on other episodes before. I do want to explain it again in case this is the first time you're listening in. Uh, Our rational thinking brain, right? The, The part of our brain that weighs out different decisions. If we were to make a list, right, of pros and cons, we're using our rational thinking brain. Well, if suddenly there's an intruder in your home at midnight and you wake up and you hear that somebody is breaking into your house, uh, there's a purpose for your rational thinking brain shutting off. And that purpose is I don't have time to weigh out all of my choices. I need to spring into action and make a quick decision. So what happens is your triggered into that fight or flight to purposely shut off your rational thinking brain and to make quick decisions that are not based in thinking rationally. So if you were running in the woods and you see a bear, you have to make a second, a a decision, excuse me, a decision in a millisecond. Am I going to run? Am I going to fight this bear? Am I going to climb this tree? Well, let's just shut all of that off make a decision without thinking and spare me that extra time because I need it. And then energy floods the body that adrenaline makes everything kind of slow down for me. Well, it's actually not that everything's slowed down. It's that I've sped up and the adrenaline in my body has allowed me to run faster, be more aware of my surroundings, take in more while thinking less in nature. When there really is an emergency, this is a great design. In reality, when I'm just like pissed off at the cashier or something, (laughs) right? Uh, Not good. Not good for me to just fly off the handle and scream in rage to get my needs met um, because that's not a fight or flight response. But for some reason, maybe I was triggered into fight or flight response and now I'm overreacting. Well, if I'm triggered into fight or flight all the time, or if I'm just kind of, think of it this way, a pot of boiling water, or not even boiling, let's just say you put some water in a pot and you put it on a stove and you heat it to a simmer. Most of us are simmering all day long. Why? Because the amount of daily stress has increased. So I'm, if I have a pot, a pot of boiling water that is always simmering any second now, I'm going to turn into a boil that overflows. That's the reason why so many people are popping off in anger all the times because the stress levels have caused us to be at that simmer all the time. 
what we actually need to do is turn off the stove and get the water off of the stove so that it can cool down. That way, it takes a lot longer for that water to boil. Does this metaphor make sense to you? So how do we do that? Well, I'm going to get to strategies for you to apply in your life in just a minute. But the first thing is, if you are to meet with a therapist or a life coach, they can actually help you process your anger, the unresolved anger in your life and get rid of it. So the very first metaphor that I teach people when they come, because when I, when I sit down in session with someone, I say, would you like to release anger? The first usually question I get is, what does that mean? And will I still feel anger in the future? Well, yes, you will still feel anger in the future, but here's the thing. Releasing anger, quote unquote, using timeline therapy in a session means that we're going to take your level of anger back to zero. So let's say if you could imagine a stack of Jenga right, bricks, we're just stacking those on top. And maybe your first experience of anger was at six months old and somebody took your toy, right? And that's the first time that you ever experienced anger. But anger, all emotions are experience and process at the unconscious level, which means at six months old, before you even have language, you don't really consciously understand what this emotion is. So your unconscious mind kind of grabs this emotion and like a pearl and it kind of examines it and goes, I don't really know what to do with this. So it just stores it cellularly throughout every cell of the body, makes an imprint of this emotion. Now, the next time you experience the same emotion, your unconscious mind recognizes it. It goes, wait, I have dealt with this before. I have handled this emotion before. I have felt this emotion before. What do I do with it? And it categorizes it. So it takes that second pearl and it puts it on the same string. It puts it on the same string. So it goes, okay, this is the same as the other pearl that came in earlier. Now I still might not have the language. This is anger. Yet my unconscious mind starts categorizing emotions on this string of pearls. It's called a gestalt. If you're interested, you can look that up. It's called a gestalt. So you have this string of pearls of anger. Well, over time, or this Jenga stack, okay, whichever metaphor is making more sense to you, you're stacking on top, stacking on top, stacking on top until that tower becomes super wobbly and that string of pearls becomes really long. So the next time, maybe something small happens. Maybe, you know, my toddler drops or spills milk, right? And for some reason, I'm just like, rage. I'm in a rage. I'm like, whoa, where is all this anger coming from? Like, this isn't a big deal, but I am overreacting. My response feels disproportionate to what happened. Well, that is because your Jenga tower is really tall and wobbly and your string of pearls is really, really long because of all of the emotions being stored cellularly throughout your body for your entire life. So how do we clean that up and take it back to zero? How do we cut that string of pearls so all of that past anger disappears? And the next time something small happens, I have a proportionate response because there's no anger in my body. Well, one of the ways is to sit down in timeline therapy. And what timeline therapy does for people is it cuts that anger string of pearls right? Releases all of it cellularly throughout the body back to zero, or you topple over that Jenga tower, zero it out. So the next time you experience anger, you're at that first brick of anger. Or lastly, what it does is it takes the water pot off the stove completely and lets it cool back to room temperature. Okay. So we have all of these different metaphors to help us understand that emotions are stored cellularly throughout the body. That's where overreaction comes from. It comes from a massive past history. Okay. Now, when I release, we, I should say we, when a client and I release a negative emotion with, with them, the next question I often get, because once it's gone, they're like, whoa, number one, I wasn't expecting that to be 
uh, as intense, like I actually don't feel any anchor in my body. What is this? And I go, that's right. It's gone. And then they remember things in the past that have angered them or pissed them off or enraged them, whatever word you want to use. And they're like, there's nothing there. I don't feel anything anymore. It happened. I remember it. It's a memory I have, but I don't get worked up about it. That's right. Because we've zeroed out the emotion. Then the question is, will I experience anger in the future? Yes, but it will be proportionate. And I know you're listening going, okay, great, but um, maybe I don't have a life coach or <laughs> that's not in the plan right now. Give me something tangible, Rachel, that I can use in my life starting today. Uh, or you could call me and set up a session and that's great. And I'll also give you some other tools. So did you know that anger is actually a secondary emotion? Now, what does that mean? It means that something happened so, 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 so fast that I skip over a first primary emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion. That means there's something that triggers anger that is not anger. One of the other negative emotions could have been sadness, could have been fear, could have been hurt, guilt, depression, terror, betrayal, or shame. So one of those over emotions over emotions, one of those other emotions happened so quickly, I didn't even grasp it consciously. And now I'm angry. So what we have to do is we have to look at what feeling was I feeling right before anger. This is going to allow your anger to go away because if you can access the primary emotion the anger can dissipate because you can get into your sadness or maybe your hurt betrayal, or maybe you had fear or guilt or shame of some kind. And if you can acknowledge that emotion, that primary emotion, the anger will drop because all of the other emotions have purposes too. And I'm going to tell you what those purposes are. So you can handle whatever the primary emotion was based on its purpose. Remember I said anger, the purpose of anger is to create change, fight back. Well, what's the purpose of sadness? Have you ever stopped to wonder what is the purpose of sadness? Why is it here? It has a different purpose than anger. Sadness is actually not a fighting emotion. And I think anyone who's ever experienced sadness can acknowledge that for like, oh yeah, last time I was sad, I did not feel like fighting with anybody. If you did, guess what? You went into anger. The purpose of sadness is to slow down, okay? Slow down and process. Let's say that you've had something tragic happen in your life and you're all free from this, but just remember the last time you were really, really sad, maybe a pet died. Let's take that scenario because if a pet died, right, you might, you would have not might, you would have experienced sadness. Well, there's nothing to fight about. You might experience anger later, like towards God or towards death in general, towards life, towards death being a part of life, but that's anger. Sadness is, whoa, I need to slow down and process and grieve what just happened. So the purpose of sadness is to create slowness in my life. It is the opposite of anger. It's a depressant. Anger is a stimulant, but sadness is a depressant is to slow us down and process. Wow. I really loved my pet. I really need to spend some time processing everything that I loved about them, spending time thinking about them, spending time grieving them, Maybe take a day off of work because I just don't have the energy. That's right. Because sadness calls you to slow down, to process, and to think. It's a very different purpose, okay? Now, let's go into some of the other purposes of the other emotions. I kind of already talked about fear. Fear is a very primal feeling. And the purpose of fear is to create quick decisions. It is to get something done get something done. 
So let's take the, let's take fight or flight as a fear response. If I'm experiencing fight or flight as a fear response, right? Immediate, get something done immediately. Now has to happen. Now I have to make a quick decision. I have to what fight or flight or freeze. Those are my options, but let's take anxiety. Okay. If you're the type of person you're free from this, but let's look at anxiety. Anxiety is fear. So the purpose of anxiety. Now, if you have generalized anxiety, that's a little bit different. I'll talk about that in a second, but I mean, like, let's say you're anxious about something that's coming up. Let's say you have a presentation to give and you're feeling anxious about that presentation. What is the purpose of that anxiety? I'm pausing to give you a moment to think. What is the purpose of that anxiety? I have a presentation on Friday and I'm anxious about it. <laughs> we often forget what the purpose is. And we're just like, oh, I'm just going to be nervous about this forever until it's over. Well, actually, anxiety is there to promote you, to prompt you into practicing your presentation. So remember I said the purpose of anxiety or the purpose of fear is to uh, get you into action. So remember, it's another stimulating emotion. So if I'm anxious about my presentation on Friday, all I have to do is slow down for a second and say, anxiety, what do you want me to do? And you can literally use this question in your life. I know it's weird at first when you first start talking to your emotions and you start talking to yourself, <laughs> right? You're like, okay, I'm a weirdo now because Rachel told me to talk to myself. It works. It works. So let's say you have anxiety. Take a second to say, anxiety, what do you want me to do? Your anxiety will respond to you. Do you know why? Because it's your unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind is going to talk back to you. And it might take you a minute to develop that relationship with your unconscious mind. But if you listen, it will talk. It'll be like so excited. Like, I'm so acknowledged. I'm being talked to. And then your unconscious mind will say, I need you to sit down and write out what you're going to say on Friday because I'm not sure we're ready. Or maybe you already have it written down. I need you to practice because I'm not feeling prepared enough. Oh, okay. So let's take another response um, or another example. I do pageants. A lot of girls that I meet that do pageants have this kind of pre-anxious energy. Well, what is that purpose of that? pre-anxious, like pre-show extra anxiety, quote unquote, it's to give you more energy on stage. That's literally the purpose of the, the anxiety that you experience before performance is to give you more energy. So if you know that and you can channel that, you can actually say to yourself, I'm excited. Your body does not know the difference between anxious and excited. So if you tell yourself, oh, I'm just excited. So I have all this extra energy. You're going to perform way better than if you're going on like, oh, I'm so anxious. I don't know what to do with all of this. Channel it into excitement. Okay. I know you're sitting there, some of you and thinking, I'm just anxious all the time. And there is no upcoming performance and there is no upcoming presentation. And I'm just anxious all the time. Okay, couple of things I have to say to people that have um, kind of just this anxiety all the time. The first one is anxiety all the time is a learned behavior. It's a learned thing. And I'm not saying that, that I'm not, please, please, please don't hear me. Don't hear me say that I'm shaming you for this because I will be the first to stand up and say I had anxiety and I didn't know that I had trained my brain to be anxious all the time. It happens unconsciously. We're not aware that we're doing this. Uh, but there's a couple different types of people that su suffer from anxiety. And the first type of person is somebody who's had a lot of trauma. And the reason why they experience anxiety after having a lot of trauma is because unconsciously they're on the lookout. Their fight or flight has been triggered so many times in their past that it's just stayed on. And now it doesn't need to be called on to turn on anymore. It's just on. Their fight or flight is just on all the time. For what purpose? Well, 
because they've experienced so much trauma that they've needed to have that fight or flight throughout their life. And so their fight or flight has just been like, well, I'll just stay on. And then I don't have to, you don't have to keep telling me to turn on. I'll just be on all the time. I'll just be on the lookout for the next bear or the next intruder all the time. Okay. If that's you, then I'm going to strongly recommend that you go and see either a therapist or somebody who's certified in NLP timeline therapy that can help work through your trauma with you. It's not just, oh, I just need to release anxiety or tell myself that I'm excited. Um, You know, if this is trauma-based, we have to actually look at that trauma and we have to deal with a lot of other unresolved emotions that are in there, kind of trapped in the body and at the cellular level. You deserve to release all of that and to start talking about it with a therapist in order to get to the other side, in order to create change. And let me tell you this, it's not that painful. It's not that painful. I've, I've met so many people that have just said, well, I'm just not ready for therapy or I'm just not ready for life coaching. Or I, you know, I, I could see the benefit of that, but I just don't, I just don't want to go there. I just don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to deal with that. You are prolonging your pain. I love you. I'm saying that in love. You're prolonging your pain. I want to take this to nature. For example, I'm going to give you an example. Did you know that there's a very, very different response in cows than there are in bulls when it comes to a coming storm? Cows run away from the storm. You're like, oh no, a storm is coming and they sense it and they take off running in the opposite direction. Bulls, they run toward the storm. They actually run into the storm head on. Okay, now let's take a look at what happens to each of these different animals. The bulls who run towards the storm and they're like, I'm going to face this. What actually happens to them is once they reach the storm, they're tired, right? They've run all that way. But then they're in the storm and the storm moves over them. They like just embrace it. Oh, storm's coming. Let's embrace it. Get it over with. The storm passes over them. The cows who are running away from the storm, the storm catches up with them. But what happens to the cows is they keep trying to run away from the storm. So what happens? They're running in the storm. The storm lasts so much longer for them because they're trying to outrun it, trying to outrun it, trying to outrun it, and they can't. They cannot outrun the storm. So they just run themselves into exhaustion trying to outrun this thing, and it follows them around. This is the same with trauma. If you run toward it and you're willing to face it and you're willing to talk about it with someone and you're willing to sit down with a therapist or you're willing to sit down with a life coach, yes, it might be painful for the first hour, but then guess what? That one hour is over and you get freedom on the other side versus the person who's like, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not going to deal with that. You are actually prolonging your pain because of all of the other negative emotions that are trapped in the body. And all of the other reactions that are maybe not in alignment with situations, those are going to continue throughout your life, my friend, until you're ready. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to get off my soapbox and say, do with that whatever you want. Pray about it. Maybe see if this is the time to deal with some past stuff. And when I say trauma, also hear this. Trauma does not have to be war. It can be. But trauma does not have to be domestic violence. It can be. Trauma does not have to be uh, parents who were addicts. It can be. Trauma does not have to be sexual trauma. It can be. But I think sometimes when we hear trauma, we think, oh, that's for somebody else that's had it way worse than me. Mm, No, remember this. All emotions throughout all of our life are stored at the cellular level. And who's to say? In second grade, if you had a teacher that said, made one comment that you walked away from that, believing that you were dumb or believing that you were not good enough, that could impact you at the same neurological level as somebody else who had, you know, a a, a home fire. And you're free from all those examples. I'm just saying that it is our unconscious mind that determines what to do with those emotions 
don't think about trauma in terms of conscious, rational, well, I guess that, you know, I guess that wasn't that big of a deal. No, 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 no. To your unconscious mind, fear is fear. Terror is terror. Uh, anxiety is anxiety. Stop rationalizing what happened and get help. Okay, I'm going to get off my soap, soapbox now. But we've talked about what is the purpose of anxiety. The purpose of anxiety is to ask your unconscious mind, what do you want me to do about this? What action should I take? What action should I take in order to feel more prepared? All right, let's talk about what is the purpose of hurt? Now, we've talked about the purpose of sadness. Sadness is, I would describe it as being more grief or sad. It's something happened that made me sad. Hurt is something happened to me by a trusted person. Okay, another word for this is betrayal. Something happened to me by a trusted person. I am hurt. I have hurt feelings. This is different than sadness. So what is the purpose of when somebody, when I'm feeling hurt, what is the purpose of that? When I'm feeling hurt or I'm feeling betrayal, the purpose of that emotion is to look at the relationship. Look at the relationship. I'm not saying what the outcome is. Sometimes the outcome is going to be, I need to have discussions with this person about how I am hurt in order to repair and restore the relationship. So the purpose of hurt could be restoration. There's another purpose though. Sometimes hurt and betrayal, the purpose is to get rid of that relationship. Now, you get to make that decision. Is the purpose of this hurt and betrayal restoration, feeling heard, explaining myself to this purpose, to this person, getting acknowledgement, getting validation of what happened, getting them to hear me, getting us to come to some sort of I want or I need agreement, maybe a boundary, or is the purpose, hey, you know what? This person is just not going to respect what I'm asking. And this relationship is just not good for me. I'm not going to say one way or the other. I will say this. Always try the first one first. Always try reconciliation first. Go to that person and say, I have hurt feelings. And by the way, <laughs> I'm using what's known in kind of life coaching lingo or therapy lingo as nonviolent communication. All that means is I'm making I statements. No shaming or blaming. You hurt me. Because all that's going to do is shut the, shut the conversation down. If the other person feels attacked at all, they're going to get defensive. And that's not what you want. Do you want to be in a conversation with someone who's not listening to you and who's defensive and who has walls up? Or do you want to feel heard? If you want to feel heard, I'm telling you, use I feel or I felt statements. Hey, I felt hurt when X happened. And it's not when you did such and such. It's when X happened. Now, I know some of you are going to be like, but they hurt me. Okay. But I'm telling you, if you want to feel heard and you want reconciliation with this person and you want to communicate with them, don't throw them under the bus. Don't blame them. Don't shame them. Try really hard to use I statements so they can see where you're coming from. It's going to keep that line of communication open longer if you use I statements. Hey, I was feeling really hurt the other day when I saw on Facebook that you had a birthday party. Ooh, I did. I messed up. See, we're all human. Hey, I was feeling hurt the other day when I saw on Facebook that there was a birthday party at your house that I wasn't invited to. See how I left you out of it? Now you, that might take practice. Even I messed up and I practice this all the time <laughs> with myself, with my husband, with clients. Um, you really have to try hard to take the you statements out. So that would be an example of, hey, there was a birthday party at your house and I was really hurt that I wasn't invited. I felt like maybe I wasn't as good a friend as I thought. And I'm really confused by that. Could you maybe just explain, you know, where you're coming from? That would really help me. And then the other person might say, oh my gosh, 
you know what? That makes sense. I didn't invite you because you have a newborn and I knew you weren't going to be able to come with his sleep schedule or I made that assumption. And I just didn't want you to know that we were all getting together without you because I thought that might hurt more. I didn't even think about, you know, pictures on social media. I was trying to protect you. And I guess I I made the wrong move. I should have invited you and let you say no. See, now that's just a pretend story, you guys. That didn't actually happen. <laughs> but there you go. Now both people are acknowledged and validated and we can move through the hurt to reconciliation. If, however, you've gone to this type of person multiple times and they are never willing to see things from your side and they're never willing to acknowledge and validate you, you might be dealing with somebody who's really emotionally immature and can't ever put themselves in your shoes. So emotional immaturity, or you might be dealing with, okay, this isn't kind of an extreme example, but you might be dealing with a narcissist. And a narcissist is never, ever, ever, ever going to acknowledge and validate you. They're never going to be able to put themselves in their, in your shoes and they're never going to give you what you need. So after trying a few times to be heard, if it's not working out, you might decide this relationship is too emotionally taxing for me. I don't really want a relationship with this person anymore. You decide, but that's the purpose of hurt. Okay. What is the purpose of guilt? What is the purpose of guilt? You ever done something and you're like, oh, I feel so guilty that I did that. Oh my gosh. I'm so embarrassed I did that. I feel so guilty that I did that. Okay. Embarrassment and guilt. They have the same purpose. The purpose of embarrassment and guilt is to come back to the tribe. I want you to think of this in terms of um, tribes. If somebody were to do something within the tribe that would excommunicate them from the tribe, uh, they don't have a community to support them anymore. If they're cut off from their tribe, they're not going to survive. If we're talking like in tribal times. So the purpose of embarrassment and the purpose of guilt is to actually bring us back into community. It's just acknowledge that I did something that goes against the values of this group. I did something that went against the moral ethical code of this group. And if I continue to do that, I'm going to be excommunicated. So embarrassment and guilt is to bring us back in to community. Now, I'm not saying it's always justified. You might do something that's embarrassing, right? At an, and, and you might feel an overreaction of embarrassment. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said the wrong word and now I'm going to beat myself up. No, 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 no. You're free from that. But just what is the purpose of embarrassment to bring me back to the group? What is the purpose of guilt to bring me back to the group? And as a society, okay, side tangent, soapbox moment. If you disagree with me, we can agree to disagree. But I think as a culture, we've become a little bit too sensitive about guilt. It's like we've become a little bit too sensitive about you have to accept me no matter what I do. You have to accept me no matter what I say. That's your problem if you disagree. That's not actually accurate. If we're looking at tribal, uh, if we're looking at olden times, the purpose of guilt and embarrassment is to actually bring me back into community. It's not everyone has to accept me no matter what. It's, hmm, do I want to be a part of this group or not? And that's where ownership, true ownership, true I statements come into play. The empowerment is not you need to accept me no matter what. It's for what purpose? Do I want to be a part of this group or not? Give yourself the empowerment back by using those I statements. Okay, let's move on to, oh, let me just really quickly, I want to explain the difference between guilt and shame because oftentimes when I sit down with session and people, they're a little confused about this. Guilt is I did something wrong. Okay, shame is an act, it's, um, it's an amplified version of this. It's like a supercharged version of this where I feel like a bad person. I'm bad. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I'm bad. And if people have shame, like I'm bad, there's something wrong with me, you're free from that. 
Uh, it's just a deeper layer. It's a deeper level of that guilt. The purpose is the same. It's to bring me back to community, but we have to deal with the negative thoughts and negative emotions coming up around being a bad person. Does this make sense? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to move on. So when I experience an overreaction, what I deserve to do is look at which of these emotions was triggered in me. Okay. Which one? Now, the first, usually people are going to go anger. It was anger. Remember I said, anger is a secondary emotion. So I'm going to give you a visualization to help you because once you become really good at this and really fast at this, you can be like, okay, I'm not angry anymore. What's the primary emotion? Oh, sadness. Oh, hurt. Oh, fear. Oh, guilt. But if you're not in tuned with that yet, you need a little support. I'm going to give you a quick and easy visualization to help you understand what is the primary emotion other than the secondary emotion of anger. What you can do is you can actually visualize going inside your own body as a little you. So you have you and then little you, you put like a conscious little you version inside your body and you go looking for the anger. The anger might be in your head, in your face. You might be feeling like a burning sensation in your face. Then the little you is going to go inside your head. Or you might be experiencing like tightness of the chest, shallow breathing. I have anger in my chest. Then little you is going to go in your chest or maybe into your diaphragm, maybe into your stomach. Okay. Maybe into your feet, wherever you're feeling the anger, little you is going to go looking for it. Then. You're going to visualize finding the anger. So little you is like, aha, I'm in the heart. I see the anger. I'm not going to tell you what it looks like. Maybe it looks, but in this example, it doesn't have to look like this, but in this example, it's going to be like a fire, a black fire, a black flame. You see the black flame. Here's what you do. Once you find the anger, you're going to lift it up. Little you is going to lift it up and peek underneath it. Now, when you peek underneath it, you're either going to see the emotion or like this, the primary emotion. So maybe a little word's going to pop up hurt, or you're going to see another symbol. So if anger was a black fire, if you lift it up, maybe you're going to see a stone. You're like, oh, I don't know what the stone represents. All you have to do because your unconscious mind talks to you in symbols is the part of your brain that dreams and makes up symbols all the time. You just have to ask. And what? does the stone represent? What emotion is that? And you will get an answer. I know this sounds really bizarre if you've never done it before. It works though. I promise you it will work. Just, hey, unconscious mind, what does that symbol represent? What emotion is that? And then your unconscious mind will tell you that is hurt. Oh, I'm feeling hurt. Now that I'm conscious of what's going on, I can handle the hurt. What was the purpose of hurt, everybody? Reconciliation. Oh, and what is the purpose of anger? Action. So what am I meant to do? Act on reconciliation. Ha ha, now we're getting it. Let's take another example. What if you find fear under there? Oh, fear, interesting. What is the purpose of fear? The purpose of fear is to ask, what am I supposed to do? What is the purpose of act, of anger? Action. So they're both action-oriented. What am I supposed to do? What action should I take? Aha! Let's say you uncover guilt. Okay, you go inside, you find the guilt, and you're like, ooh, guilt. What was the purpose of guilt? Coming back to community. What was the purpose of anger? Action. What are you supposed to do? Find the action that will get you back into community. Is this making sense? Are you like, oh my gosh, every emotion has a purpose. What? Yes. So now what I'm hoping that this podcast will do for you is release judgment. If you're like flying off the handle all the time, you have anger everywhere in your life. You know what? Let's have some grace for you because everybody has anger in their life. It's what you choose to do with it. And now that you know the tools that you can access the other emotions and you can access the other purposes, you can create an action plan. And the more you create an action plan for every time that you have an outburst, you can look at what you want to create in your life and what else you want instead besides constant outbursts. Okay. So I hope that you have found this episode extremely helpful. If you have, leave me a review because 
reviews. Like if you leave me a review and just let me know like, oh, I loved that episode. Oops. I overreacted because it really gave me something to think about. It really gave me something to learn or just, you know, leave me three words or a couple sentences that will just help me connect with you. And I would love to connect with you and to know that you're still listening. Here we are a year and a half later, and I'm still creating podcasts, although not as consistently. I'm going to be more consistent. That is my declaration. (laughs) I'm going to stay in integrity with saying two times a week, and hopefully it will be more than that. Um, But let me know what you learned from today. If you are looking for coaching, um, two things you can do. I would recommend you just shoot me an email at coachrachelbailey at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know that you found me on the podcast and that you might be interested in doing a free consultation with me. If you go to my website, uh, coachrachelbailey.com, there is, you can book a $97 discovery session. But if you listen to this podcast, I'm going to put a date on it. If you listen to this podcast before the end of March, 2023, so before March 31st, 2023, shoot me an email, say you'd like a free consultation And uh, I will make sure that I schedule you that free consultation. Give me some time because I don't know how many people are going to respond to this. Uh, I'm going to max it out though at 20. So you have to be within the first 20 people to get that free consultation by March 31st. And I'll save you 97 bucks and we can have a session together and we can talk about whatever you need to bring forth or you want to work on. If you want a goal in your life and it's eluding you, maybe now's the time to consider talking about it with a life coach. All right. I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope that you have found this episode really helpful. Share it with a friend. That's always such a blessing to me and to the other person that you share it with. I love you. Have a great week. Remember life is a journey. You're the one in the driver's seat. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach In Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.